Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Chris, how's it going? It's good, man. How are you doing? Hanging in there. We're at the uh, the end of May already. I was just thinking about that. It's just weird going to June. But uh, it's actually been a really good month. So, um, yeah, I'm doing well. Feeling good. Yeah. Uh, great month, despite uh, what we discussed in the last episode. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's, what's new with you? Where should we start? Yeah. Um, it's funny, man. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday after Memorial Day weekend. And it was one of those weekends for me where, you know, long weekend and I barely worked at all. And just like, we also moved into, I, I think I mentioned this kind of in passing in, in the last episode, but we moved into an Airbnb uh, temporarily in San Diego uh, yeah. before we moved back to Chicago. Uh, kind of long, untri- uninteresting story as to, to why we had to do that. But it sort of feels like we're on vacation now. Uh, mm. So combined <laughs> with Memorial Weekend and everyone was out at the beach. And uh, today was one of those days where I was like, what am I working on right now? And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to be doing? Uh, so it's been slow getting back into it. But mm-hmm. otherwise, it's it's been great. Yeah, I feel you there. Sort of had a shorter day, shorter day on Friday. And then uh, Sunday was my birthday. And so over the weekend, we went to uh, Mission Pacific Hotel, which you recommended. And um, it was amazing, fantastic. Isn't that place uh, sweet? Yeah, yeah, really, really cool. Um, it was so funny, too, because we... Well, actually, we didn't end up watching it. But we were planning on watching Top Gun. And then uh, I totally forgot. I didn't even realize that the Top Gun house is like in the hotel, basically. It's like right in front in the middle oh, right, of the, right. the campus. Um, so you can get a little pie from there. And, uh, but anyways, it was a really, really good time over the weekend Then spent some time with family. And then yesterday kind of just took the day off for Memorial day, a little bit impromptu. We just spent the day with my wife. Um, but again, today I was like, oh geez, where, where did I leave off? Like I have no <laughs> idea where to pick up. I know. Yeah. Definitely feels like the, the summer vibe is, is in the air. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's all good. Yeah. Um, I can kick us off with uh, with one with an update on Swipewell stuff real quick. Um, yeah. Our wait list is past 800 now, which is awesome. feels good to have uh, kind of consistent growth. Um, it's funny because I feel like the most like marketing I've been doing for it recently has just been um, like responding to those tweets where it's like, what are you working on today? Or like share your startup or <laughs> kind of mm, just like, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, share bait almost. Um, and so I've just been like dropping swipe well in, into those and uh, just sharing it here and there, mentioning it in a couple of tweets, but it's led to some pretty consistent waitlist growth, which is awesome to see. And, um, and Connor's been working as usual, like a madman on a uh, new feature. So now we have the ability to swipe tweets natively. So it'll look and feel exactly like a tweet in your dashboard instead of it just taking like a screenshot of Twitter essentially. Um, and, uh, and now he's also working on bulk imports, which will be really, it's actually one of the big like blockers for me as a user. Cause I already have all these files mm. and stuff from swipe files, um, on my desktop and Google drive and all other places, even notion. Um, so we're working on a way to do bulk imports, which will be really, really good for just like 
onboarding people in general. Um, so I think he's hoping to have a, a working version of that this week sometime. But uh, those kind of the, the, t- the two big ones uh, yeah. in, in recent history. Interesting. Yeah, kind of uh, two thoughts come to mind. Number one is the, uh, the, the share bay threads that you mentioned. I <laughs> have always assumed that those don't work. Uh, so it's amazing <laughs> to hear that you're getting consistent waitlist sign up from those. Uh, and I think it goes to show, uh, you know, there's, there's no harm in, in trying, uh, and, and yeah, of course you just went for it and it's working out well. So, uh, <laughs> that gives me pauses as to how I should think about things in the future, but yeah. Yeah. It works surprisingly well. I feel like cause some of those, um, you'll notice that some of those tweets, uh, they'll get, you know, so many replies that it kind of like bumps it up in the algorithm. And then everyone who's sharing their own thing wants to retweet it to kind of like subtly, not so subtly share their own thing, mm-hmm. uh, indirectly. And, um, and so it actually ends up getting like a decent amount of engagement and even just like the exposure of just seeing, you know, someone else posting their thing sees your thing that, that you're working on, um, is like enough in and of itself. But then surfaces a lot of other people who are just like, you know, uh, that tweet gets surfaced for them. I'm trying to pull up an actual tweet so I can look at some of the analytics. Maybe I can share it. I haven't, I haven't really mm-hmm. looked at, you know, th- that's the only thing I can really attribute to where the signups are coming from. But, right. um, let me see if I can find and actually see like the impressions and clicks and, uh, and, and where it's coming from. One second. My notifications are a disaster. <laughs> I know that there's one in here. Mm. Darn, I might have to keep looking and yeah, uh, and punt it over to you while I find it. But but yeah, yeah I, I I had one other thought, which is, and I don't know if you guys have thought about this at all. Uh, when you mentioned swiping tweets, to me that sounds like potentially a better Twitter bookmarks or like a replacement for that has anyone mentioned that or has that is that a use case you guys have thought about yeah a little bit um i try not I, I, we don't want to like bleed too much into like my mind territory because i feel like my mind is really good for saving content um okay and in a way also for building a swi file uh it's just like if you're saving everything in there then when you have your swi file and everything then it can get kind of messy and i've personally found it hard to maintain it that way but definitely like in the early onboarding calls, we'd see people like, oh, I'm just going to hop over to Twitter to try to save something. And I'm like, oh, well, actually, it's not really like the best thing <laughs> to start with if you want to save mm-hmm. it because we're just going to take a screenshot of the whole thing. Um, but a lot of what people would would uh, would save would not necessarily always be like a marketing example. A lot of times it would be like a thread or like an interesting thing or like a marketing idea, you know, not necessarily like here's an example, but just like try this fear business or like, here's an interesting thing that we found worked for us. Um, so definitely like works well for that kind of content use case where you just want to save something for later bookmark it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Cool. I'm gonna have to pull up, uh, Twitter advanced search, maybe I can find it that way. Cause I am curious <laughs> actually how many, like how many times I've done it and also how many clicks, uh, it's kind of driven, but I'll talk about one of the other updates related to that, which is that, um, we're, we're going to be going hard on side projects as marketing. 
for swipe well mm. thinking through all of the um all the like marketing ideas that we could pursue and you know if you kind of think about it, it's like a matrix of you know what's bootstrapper friendly what's good for early stage what uh you know what's free versus what's paid what's going to pay off long term versus what's going to pay off short term you know there it starts to whittle down really really fast essentially um and so what i found is is that you know we have a couple of ideas for like this is swipe well marketing in particular but then we have like these other ideas where it's like this doesn't really fit really as um as something that we would do on swipe well for example okay so anyways i'm, I'm kind of like beating around the bush but basically there are some things that just like are better served as a side project as marketing rather than um like a marketing swipe well kind of thing for example i was looking at seo potential for some things that that we're looking to uh uh to rank for and i saw one that was copywriting prompts and it gets a couple hundred searches a month it was like fairly low difficulty to rank for. And I could see that there were, what was ranked today was, was mainly like these listicle kind of posts and articles, but then there would be a couple of actual, like, um, uh, not really like a mini site, but more like a resource of some, some sort, like even like a PDF or a book or like a product, essentially, uh, there was like a game and, um, and I was looking at some equivalents, like, uh, there's like a daily UX writing newsletter um, or like daily UX prompts that seem to have some traction, kind of like the design community. Mm. And uh, so then I thought, okay, well, what if this actually wasn't like a listicle or an article? What if it was like its own standalone thing? Um, so of course I went to Namecheap and searched for the availability <laughs> of copywritingprompts.com. Lo and behold, it's actually available and for super cheap. So I thought, oh, why don't we make a little generator, just like a, a microsite that will populate different prompts that you can cycle through every day, or we'll even email it to you as a newsletter. And it'll just be like this free resource for people wanting to practice copywriting. And we can rank for copywriting prompts, copywriting practice, and copywriting exercises, which is kind of like the cluster that are all applicable for the same thing. Um, so last week I spent all week trying to come up with 365 prompts in an air table, which I did after a few days and many hours of just sitting there wow. thinking of ideas. And, um, so hopefully by next week ish, we'll have like an MVP that we can launch and do a whole product thing about, and it'll be its own standalone thing, but also like, well, we'll be plugging swipe well in there too. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm really excited for it. It's, it's a fun thing in, in and of itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a free tool like that, uh, not related to copywriting, but it's, uh, it's called everytimezone.com and I use it all oh, the yeah. time when I'm trying to really? do time zone math. Uh, it's by Amy Hoy, uh, and it's, it's like a free lead gen tool for their, um, their time tracker SAS. Mm. Uh, but yeah, su just super cool to be able to put out like useful small tools like that and generate traffic and, and drive people to your main thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we have one or two other ideas like this that are related, but still pretty distinct and different from the product itself that we can use to kind of plug it. But I feel like this is the kind of stuff that has the most potential 
to like go viral or really get shared. It has like a lot of lasting opportunity. If I just like shared it on, you know, Reddit, launch it on product ton, get some initial traction. Hopefully it'll start ranking in Google. That'll bring recurring traffic. And then like a subset, you know, a small portion of everyone who touches copywritingproms.com will also go to Swipewell. And basically our call to action will be like build a copywriting swipe file in Swipewell, download our Chrome extension here, and then like push them through that whole, uh, through that funnel. But, um, you know, more than just like, if we were to write a blog post that was like, here's the 15 copywriting prompts and examples to practice, it's kind of capped, right? The ceiling, there's a ceiling for potential and virality and how it's going to be shared and what's going to rank for. Whereas like copywritingprompts.com is, you know, it's kind of uncapped. It's unlimited. It's got a sky's the limit for it. Yeah. Man, I'm like, I'm going through something similar right now. Um, working to put together some content for the JetBoost blog. Mm. Uh, so it's taken me much longer than it probably should have, but, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, so I, I worked with, uh, super great content strategist. Uh, she put together all these, uh, I don't even know the exact number, so 20 to 30 content briefs, uh, did all the keyword research, uh, you know, create, I mean, these are like super detailed, showing, uh, you know, here's other pages to go look at that are similar. Here's the keywords we're trying to rank for meta description. Here's where screenshots go. I mean, it's like crazy detailed down to like the section headers. All they need now is someone to write the content. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I have started working with, um, just give me a few suggestions, but one of them was Verblio is kind of like top of the list. Um, and basically they are a service where you can provide your own content briefs. Uh, it's kind of like a marketplace where writers can just write for your content. Hmm. Um, it's been, it's been interesting. So I got the first two briefs written, um, and you have the chance to, you know, ask for revisions and all of that. And it's like, it's the results I've seen so far, like, okay. Uh, you know, JetBoost is such a niche thing where I've been skeptical. Like, how could someone write about these topics without knowing Webflow? Yeah. And um, but the thing is, uh, Hannah, who I worked with, like, she did such a good job with her research that I felt like, well, she didn't know Webflow before this and, and didn't know JetBoost and was able to come up with at least these, like, great outlines. Hmm. Um, but it's... Yeah, it's been a little bit challenging with the writers so far, um, at least the first round of it. And as I'm like, as I'm reading through these, I, I just am wondering, like, kind of like you said, like our blog, I, I mean, I know for SEO and whatnot, but like, do people still read blog posts anymore? Like, I don't know. Mm. It doesn't seem like <laughs> it. Um, you know, w- w- I, I can see why the appeal of just making something, you know, like an engineering as marketing free tool sounds like a better play than just putting together content that eh, just feels kind of like run of the mill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I can see that. I, I read a lot of blog posts, but I would say I actually probably more like skim a lot of blog posts, you know? Um, yeah. Most people today, I think they're not like really sitting down reading it like a book. They're more just like right. straight to what they're looking for, you know, trying to get to that exact section um, and then they're reading that thoroughly and then moving on immediately after. Yeah. I, I almost feel like as long as we nail the section headers, which, which Han already did, it, you know, it's like, 
that's like for the humans. And then the rest of the text on the page is like for the Google al- algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, why wouldn't she write the content herself? Uh, just availability and, oh. um, you know, I, I tried hard to pitch her on what, what would it take to, to bring you on to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just, she didn't have the availability. So, yeah. Even then, yeah. The, I think the briefs are super, super valuable. Even like, especially yeah. today, I think most of the stuff that we're going through, um, like with Savvy Cal and a lot of the work that I'm doing for Swipe Files members who I'm helping with the $500 MRR challenge, um, a lot of it, it's like most people are pretty familiar with curated research these days. Everyone, you know, can write or create the content. So, like, the real kind of critical missing piece of the equation is that content brief where it's like, okay, the way that we structure the posts, the H2s versus the paragraphs, the internal leaking, uh, linking, all the different sections that we want to cover, the word length, like that's the stuff that people still aren't very familiar with that ends up making the most difference for ranking high in Google, you know, even making on the first page or going from position 10 to position one, for example. Yeah. And yeah, all of that she handled and like I said, did, did a great job. I, I wouldn't have even known where to start as far as how do I hire a writer to, to write content for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that has been good. It's, uh, yeah, just finding the right service now and the right writers, um, that we're happy with. Uh, but to be fair, like we have absolutely no content right now. So anything that I think we can produce and, uh, you know, even if it takes a little bit more of my time as far as, uh, you know, I was looking at certain sections of one of the pieces where I was like, okay, I could describe this a little bit better. And it's still like 90% there, um, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, feel, feel, I'm actually really excited to start getting some content out there and seeing what happens as far as, like you said, ranking and see what kind of traffic it drives. And, um, yeah, it should be, should be a fun little experiment. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. By the way, I did find some of the tweets where I'm just kind of name dropping swipe well and plugging, <laughs> plugging your own. Oh, link. here we go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting because it, again, each one really doesn't have like a lot to it, but I think it's kind of the aggregate of all of them together. Also Twitter's analytics are going to be fairly limited. So it might either be inflated or, uh, or deep, you know, deflated, I don't know, underrepresenting what's what's actually going on but um i'll just read off some of the numbers so here's one it has 377 impressions six link clicks not a ton but it's six uh this one has 487 impressions 11 link clicks this one has 272 impressions 15 link clicks um here's another one wow 442 impressions 32 link clicks Obviously not all those are actually signing up, but maybe a decent portion. This one, 200 impressions, five link clicks. Uh, and then there's about, you know, 10 more <laughs> with similar numbers, <laughs> 313 impressions, 10 link clicks. Um, you know, so somewhere between like 200 and, oh, this one has 826 impressions, 18 link clicks, somewhere between 200 and a thousand impressions and five and 20 clicks on average, you know, per mm-hmm. one. So not super scalable, but in the early days, everything counts. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty low effort 
on your end in your in your driving traffic to the page and getting signups that's that's awesome yeah yeah even there there's just one actually i didn't realize how well this one works but um i was asking about what to call our uh forwarding feature where you can create like a unique forwardable address and then you can uh, forward an email that'll get screenshotted to add to your swipe file and said, so you forward an email to swipefile.app address and it automatically swipes that email for you. What do you call this feature? And of course, Twitter generates a little card for you for swipefile.app. And uh, this one has 4,200 impressions and 50 link clicks. So even things that are things like that where we're kind of doing the build in public stuff uh, actually has pretty decent reach and engagement. Nice. It's cool. Those early guerrilla marketing wins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one other thing I've been working on that I kind of just created on a whim. And then now I need to actually go back and follow through with is uh, a new written interview series for swipe files called the first 1000 MRR and beyond where it's sort of like these uh, dynamically produced um, or kind of like automated written interviews with founders. I basically just asked three questions. It's like, what does your product do? How did you get to your first thousand dollars MRR? How have you gotten to wherever you are today in MRR? Um, and then I grab all the data from them and I was kind of walking through the process, but we're using like Zapier and Google docs and uh, a whole bunch of things to kind of auto populate some things from reform where I'm actually capturing the, the, uh, the intakes for people applying to be to be featured and uh so i've gotten like 30 or 40 submissions and now i need to actually go through and like read them ask for more details uh and then upload and publish and i still haven't figured out exactly what i want to do with it if i want to make it like a separate newsletter people can sign up for or if it's just like a, another email in kind of the evergreen newsletter sequence that goes out to everyone or both, something like that. But um, this is for swipe files. Yeah, for swipe files. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's a fun idea that I'm excited to like get out into the world and for people to to share and read. But I, I still need to figure out some of the details of what it actually looks like and how to deliver it. Yeah. Are do you turn is the newsletter like also are the, are those also blog posts? Or no? No. Mm -mm. They're all just okay. in the newsletter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or what are the pros versus cons, I guess, of, or why you, why do you do it that way? Yeah. A lot of it just has to do with like, where does the traffic come from? And I'm not super optimistic in a lot of those posts ranking for anything in Google. Okay. Uh, and so really if I made it a blog post to just be like me driving traffic to those pages from Twitter or from the newsletter, maybe. Um, gotcha. Yeah. A lot of it is very like story driven or it's for things that are so obscure or nuanced that there's no, or virtually no keyword search volume for it. Um, and, and it's also kind of an incentive people know like, well, this is the only place to get it. I'll just sign up for it rather than, going through the blog, reading it all and never signing up for the newsletter in the first place. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. So you're only, are you going to only publish some of them or are you trying to just get as many as, as you can? 
as many as I can that are relevant and actually publishable stories. Again, I need to go through and read. I've only read one of them so far and asked for a couple of kind of clarifying details. I think that what will kind of make or break it is actually how well people fill out the interview and how much detail they provide. And so that's kind of what I need to make sure, like I'm not going to publish the ones that are super, uh, you know, they don't have any details or really short brief, just like unhelpful. Um, right. so I don't know how many are going to be like in publishable form and if people are willing to go through and make those changes, add that content, et cetera. But I'd like to publish all of them if I can. Um, yeah, as long as they check all the boxes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You, you, you're never, uh, <laughs> lacking things to do. <laughs> Dude, <never. laughs> oh man. Yeah. I never, um, I, I was thinking about it yesterday because I really want to get back to working on founding marketing and really digging into like the content of the book and flushing out a first draft and I just keep adding more and more things onto my plate, even just swipe files related, you know, it's like a new thing that I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I need to start saying no more, even to my own ideas. <laughs> Are you, uh, are you still doing the $500 MRR experiment? Yeah, that's been going really well, actually. Uh, so I got that, I got a lot of people. So I think I maybe had like 11 or 12 people, um, apply who are fit, who I accepted essentially. And then when I accept them, I offered them to sign up. And then once they did, then we would sort of like get started. I think seven or eight of them ended up signing up maybe just like a, a couple of them didn't sign up at the end of the day. Um, so it was actually on my to-do list today to send like a final reminder and be like, you know, don't want to bother you. If this is something you did want to do, please do it now because I don't want, you know, I won't allow you to do this in, you know, another month and just kind of like randomly start doing it. Um, right. So, uh, but yeah, for the people who have gotten started, it's gone really, really well. Um, did like an initial onboarding call with them. And then now we've just been chatting over a zip message and I'll just like throw something over the fence, ask a question, tell them to do something. They return it. I give feedback or tell them what the next step is. And uh, it's been really, really efficient that way. Just kind of getting straight to business. Nice. That's yeah. Awesome. And already seen really good results too. Like um, one of the members who's working on just trying to get more signups outside of Twitter. Like, well, let's, you know, look at SEO how familiar are, we, are you with keyword research? You know, basically none. Okay. Let's generate the keywords. Now let's do the content briefs. Now let's start writing the content. Now let's figure out all the technical SEO bits and just shared with me. I just saw it today that, uh, they had like their first piece of content ranking. Well, um, just like overnight traffic that they had never seen before from Google. Um, so it's working well, at least for the people, who are actually doing the work, you know, that was also part of the yeah. thing is like, if you're going to sign up, you have to do what I say <laughs> and, uh, it'll take time, but you just got to go with it. Yeah. That's awesome. That makes me feel like I'm moving at like molasses pace right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, for a lot of them too, I think the people who end up signing up and who ex you know, accepted and basically offered to sign up, um, they were like really, really early stage had basically done like no marketing before. So it's a blank canvas, you know, when you're doing something as opposed to nothing, it feels like you're moving really, really fast. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. What about you? What else is new with you? Yeah. 
I mean, in general, to be honest, I have been moving extremely slowly for the past uh, just over two months now. Um, as any any regular listener can probably tell, <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't had a ton of updates. Uh, mostly just been trying to survive uh, with a newborn and, uh, you know, another one who's not quite one and a half yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, yeah, I think like starting to, you know, I'm starting to get energy levels back to, you know, about as normal as they can be right now. And, um, just last week, and I don't know, maybe I've said this on a previous episode, but really just last week started to feel like, okay, can, can breathe again, can start moving again. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's been a number of big projects for JetBoost pending, uh, product updates and whatnot. And, I kind of just had to take a step back and realize like we don't have the momentum right now. And, uh, you know, and it's just like personally hard for me to take on just a huge project right now, especially yeah. with still moving stuff going on and, and you know, everything. So uh, instead we kind of reconfigured our roadmap and are focused more on smaller updates for the next couple of months. That's um, yeah. And it feels, it feels good. Like it's, I know in the back of my mind, it's like, it's, you know, the advice is always like work on the, you know, the number one thing and it's the, probably not the number one thing right now, but it's like, we're at least moving. Yeah. Um, yeah. so last week, like we shipped, uh, mostly just a backend update for how we handle certain subscription changes. Um, and just like it felt like a win getting that out to the door, getting it deployed to production. It's it lowers our support burden. Um, we've got a number of other smaller things coming up that should lower support. And um, we're actually working on this really cool feature for our onboarding setup process. So right now, like when you go and set up JetBoost, we basically kind of verify and check every single step along the way. Um, but there are still certain things that can like slip through and that trip people up. Uh, but we've come up with this concept of like a kind of like a, a final review where mm-hmm. we're going to run all these additional checks that are hard to do on the, at the individual step level. But overall, at the very end, uh, we, we can catch these things. And it's oh, just like cool. every single support ticket that comes in that is like that we can put in one of these, we're going to. And so mm. it's going to automate a lot of the, the, the things that trip people up right now. Uh, and it's going to make our, our setup and our activation process even better. And so I'm like oh, actually wow. really excited to get this out of the door. So that's basically like for both you and the user, it's kind of just like a, a sweep through everything looking for anything exactly. that would potentially, uh, be in conflict or not be set up right or um, be causing whatever it is or maybe causing a issue that you don't even know about kind of like surfacing issues. And so the user can do that or can see that and then make fixes, but also you can do that if you're troubleshooting for them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. And the cool thing is like, we don't have to invent any of this. It's all just feedback from what we've seen of people asking questions and, uh, you know, and where the problems with the current setup process are. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think we've had a lot of people over the years say, 
that they've been impressed with the onboarding process for JetBoost. Like it's been easier than they expected. And mm-hmm. to me, it all comes back to just, yeah, it's because, you know, every, every single issue that we've, that we've had and that we fixed has been just feedback from customers. Mm. Uh, so this is another uh, evolution of that and it's, it's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, no, that that's huge. That's, that's a really big thing. I think it's what you said before too, is really interesting just about like focusing on the one big thing, maybe not necessarily true for development, especially not for like you in particular. I think what's more important or what's maybe like more like the, the golden rule is just to keep shipping regularly, you know, once a week have something that you're just getting out the door and hitting deploy or publish or whatever it is that the, the official terminology is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think so. It's just, it's like when you have that momentum, it, everything just feels so much easier. Um, and when you have like big breaks kind of like I've had, it's yeah, it's, it's definitely harder. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll build up to the big projects and, and there is like a lot of exciting stuff, um, that hopefully we, we can get out by the end of the year. The other thing too, that, that we've been doing is sort of, <laughs> I would say extremely loosely following shape up, um, Oh yeah, and by that I mean basically trying to schedule like a six-week roadmap, um, which I have mixed feelings on. Like, uh, I mean, we're just like we're such a tiny team that we there's just like I don't know, I don't know how much value it actually adds. But the one thing that we're trying to stick to is it's so easy to you know a customer has an idea or or we have an idea or or you know there's some sort of improvement we could make. And just think like, oh, let's like, because I get really excited. I'm like, all right, mm. let's like drop everything and like try and ship this today, you know. And uh, sometimes that works and can be a really cool experience. But for the most part, I've found, uh, you know, as, as time has gone on, that's more and more of a distraction. Mm. And so we, even today, Noah and I, we had like a, I don't know, 45 minute discussion on uh, a, a new like booster idea. And I was getting really excited about it. I'm like, oh, I'm like, maybe I can ship this by the end of the week. <laughs> I'm like, no, like, okay, we're not going to just like stick, you know, new stuff in. We're going to give it, we're going to wait till the end of the cycle. It's not that many weeks away. Uh, try and deliver on everything that we said we're going to deliver and, mm. uh, you know, and then revisit it then. So, yeah, yeah, it's hard. I, I've been yeah. trying to be really careful to not, to not do that with Connor and kind of derail stuff on swipe. Well, uh, even, even if it's not from me directly, but you know, I've been doing all of our onboarding calls. And so with I'll record the call using grain and then I'll write notes that are timestamped to certain moments in the call when things like that happen where it's like, oh, here's a new idea or here's a, a bug or here's a feature request, here's a X, Y, and Z. And sometimes it's these things that are like entirely new, kind of different ways of doing something or it's just like a big feature altogether. Like, you know, it would be really cool if you did X. I'm like, oh, that is really interesting. <laughs> and so I, I pass all that back to Connor after the call. And so it's very like synthesized and he can just kind of jump in and get the gist of what we talked about and what's actually actionable. But I always try to preface with like, look, n- none of this, we don't have to do any of this. This is just, you know, for our records, these are just feedback from customers um, and or you know, we have to take it all with a grain of salt of does this make it onto the roadmap? If so, when, 
You know, is it like right now we're going to slot it in or is it we're tacking on to the bottom of the backlog of the backlog, you know? Um, and that way it doesn't feel like we're always switching it up. And we've kind of like, I don't know if I talked about this before, but we kind of agreed on like, uh, before certain milestones, we kind of have like a mini roadmap for, for each stage that we want to hit. So it's like before we, uh, remove the wait list and open up to everyone. We want to have X, Y, and Z done. And then before we launch on product hunt, we want to have these things done before we start, you know, charging, we want to have these things done. And I think that's also helped to kind of mitigate some of the, the new ideas or just random stuff where it's like, yeah, but you know, where does that fit in before these things that we want to get done? Does it make it into this phase or not? And, um, and so I, I think the word that I've used most often, Connor will probably laugh, but the most often in Slack is let's just punt it <laughs> because I'm like, this is interesting, but like, let's just revisit it later, punt it further down the field and then we'll pick it up, you know, once we're done with these other things. Yeah. Yeah. I think having that discipline and having that focus is really important. And I, I know I personally struggle with it. So that's, yeah, that's cool. You guys are on the same page there. Yeah. No, but I, again, I don't blame you at all. I think it's hard to, there's definitely a balance between like, okay, if you're, if you're excited about something and you feel the momentum, like, yeah, maybe you just do it. Right. But I think the, the hard part is when it's like a really big thing and then that excitement doesn't last very long. And then you realize that you're just kind of overcommitted. Then, you know, you're kind of constantly uh, putting yourself in these situations you don't want to be, or you're pivoting and you're leaving projects unfinished and that can be unproductive. Yeah. Yep. Oh man, I, <laughs> too many times I've had like three or four different branches of different features and, and bug fixes <laughs> and whatnot. And it's like, uh, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. No, I feel you there. Um, one last update on Swipeo. It's actually really exciting. Uh, Connor, I, I I'd kind of seen it on Twitter, but I didn't really understand it from just like me scrolling by, but Connor posted it in our, in our Slack. And, uh, it's a company called Tweet Hunter. It's like a Twitter automation tool kind of thing. Apparently, they just hit one million in ARR, which is like nuts. And they've only they just launched like a year ago. Um, there's some there's some parts that I really respect about it, where like they help you kind of come up with tweet ideas and automate and schedule everything. But there are other bits that kind of encourage a little bit of copying and plagiarism, which. It's not like they, no, I, I should say they don't encourage it. They enable it a little bit. Or it's basically like, here are some tweets that performed really, really well. Make your own version, but you can just copy and paste mm. <laughs> if you really want to. Um, so, yeah, there's nothing really to their fault, but I think that's how some people are using it, which is kind of annoying. But anyways, they're they're being really generous. They have this, uh, this maker grant celebrating them hitting a million dollars in ARR where I think they have a couple of different tiers, but like the top tier is like a $5,000 grant. And so they encourage everyone to apply. Um, and then they went through and kind of shortlisted uh, who they thought would be like the most deserving based on the application. And apparently Swipeall made it into like the finalist list. And tomorrow when this episode goes live, um, voting begins. I forget exactly how it works, but essentially I think for like a two week period or something like that, they'll have everyone vote on like the most deserving project. 
and then like the order of votes they'll like reward the grants or the grant amounts to the winners um and uh so awesome that we made it to the kind of final short list tomorrow yeah. we'll be you know uh promoting a whole bunch of asking people to vote we'll have a link in the show notes as well if you can support us but uh yeah there's maybe a chance we get a, a little grant which would be awesome wow that's really cool yeah especially um the bank account balance right now is zero <laughs> so you know we're kind of just paying <laughs> for yeah for little things here and there and um for it to not be zero it'd be nice and then we can start putting things on the the company account yeah did you guys do, did you like spin up an LLC or bank account or anything? Yeah. Yeah. We spun up everything through uh first base. So have Swipewell incorporated uh, the C Corp, the bank account through Mercury, uh, Stripe account, um, which is really like the, the biggest piece of the equation when we start charging. Um, so it's all ready to go. Uh, and I think that's going to be one of the next things once we work on uh, bulk imports is now we're going to be graduating to one of the next phases which will be actually hooking up Stripe and starting to charge. So maybe that's in the future for, uh, for June. We'll see. Nice. Uh, do we want to talk about our last item or should we leave it for the next one? I know we're already at 40 minutes and we got to go fairly soon. Yeah, no, I, th- <laughs> I was saying, I, I feel like we kind of buried the lead, um, without yeah. <laughs> really following up on, <laughs> on the last episode. It's true. Um, but yeah, yeah. So f- first of all, I, I don't know about you, but the, like several people reached out and said they really enjoyed the episode. Mm-hmm. It was entertaining. Um, that was like amazing to hear because I'm always like, <laughs> I feel like I'm not a, definitely not a natural podcaster. So any, anytime someone says the storytelling was great, that's like an awesome compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, seriously. Yeah. So that was really cool. Um, and yeah, the... The main thing that came out of it for you and me is we realized, you know, the, and we kind of knew this going into it, but the process of uh, trying to acquire a SaaS and uh, is fun and it's like, it's something that we're interested in doing seriously. Uh, and so we are starting Default Alive Ventures, hey, uh, <laughs> which we, we, we've got a little landing page up at defaultalive.ventures. Uh, where we basically, we've got a form there. If, uh, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about it. you, you put the form together, but, um, yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting. Um, I think that the whole thought for us is just to be able to attract more inbound interest instead of like scouring listings all the time and having to do a lot of the outreach. Um, this right. would be more kind of like a magnet and, uh, attract the right kind of deals. But, um, yeah, I mean, basically like our, it just has like our criteria landing page looks great. Thanks to you. Uh, it's a little bit about who we are and then a form with really basic info, but really, you know, we're looking for SAS less than $10,000 in MRR. Usually it's not like a hard requirement, but that definitely is more like the sweet spot. We're like what we're looking for, uh, bootstrapped or the founder owns hundred percent and or asset sale of some sort so that we don't have to go through all the, stock purchase and if you have investors and stuff like that kind of makes it all difficult, but micro SaaS, you know, things that are preferably in no code, uh, or in marketing, since those are kind of our two core competencies and industries and yep, where our networks are. But, um, 
yeah, uh, once, you know, I'm hoping this will generate some deal flow for us, obviously related to this podcast as well. We will be sharing stuff around deals and things that we see, find, hopefully one day can uh, acquire and talk about, you know, one of the ventures and, um, and I'll be documented here. Yeah, should be awesome. So it's defaultlive.ventures. I think I'm going to go and buy the, the .co and the .io just to kind of cover our bases as well. <laughs> so any of those <laughs> will, will get you to the landing page. But check it out. And if you know of a startup who might be interested in, uh, in selling or you know, a great builder, maker who wants, to, uh, who wants one of their projects to find another home, uh, feel free to pass this along to them as well. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, like I said, can generate some inbound. And um, you know, I I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the VC world, podcast, Twitter, everyone's talking about default alive now, and it kind of makes me yeah. laugh every time because I'm like, <laughs> seriously. Maybe maybe like uh, you know, we'll have a few extra people end up on either the podcast page or you know now our ventures page. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just by googling default alive, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I know it really was not in vogue when we started the podcast and right. now it's very much in vogue. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, uh, I mean, hopefully not in a sense, but, uh, crazy times, you know, some people looking to offload, some people looking for cash, some people either shutting down or maybe we we'll just want to, you know, sell off what they've built and restart. Um, and so, uh, hoping it's, it's prime time for us, you know, find our next thing. And, um, it's really exciting to have it out and, uh, we can talk about it now. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, this is sort of related. Did you see, uh, Peter Lovell's tweet about SAS multiples? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And basically I'm trying to find the exact tweet now, but he, he would never sell a SAS for, I think it was, I think he said four X. Um, well, did you see, um, did you see Ruben and some other people asking about like what, what the multiple is based on and kind of asking about that? Uh, I don't think I saw that. No. Yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken. Uh, again, I'll try to pull it up as well to just to double checks that I want to talk about. I don't want to be spreading fake news, but I think that what Peter was talking about was, um, a multiple of profit or, you know, SDE, seller discretionary earnings, basically not ARR or top line revenue. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I guess the, the reason I brought it up is I found it interesting. Um, like kind of being on both sides of it. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So here it is. He said four X annual. Okay. So he did say annual profit only starts making sense. If you desperately need to get rid of your company, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know happy founders around me who'd sell for that. And he was specifically talking about bootstrap businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Cause on the one hand it's like, yeah, when you have bootstrapped a SAS, uh, and got it, you know, to default alive, like the idea of selling it for, let's take the standard range of, of three to five, uh, even if we say revenue, it does feel very low uh, because you're like, okay, well, you know, 
ideally it's growing. So you think, well, future in the future, you know, the, the revenue is going to go up and why, why would I sell right now? Uh, and I think Tyler had, Tyler Tringas had a good response to this, uh, with like a blog post he wrote basically saying, if that's the case, like as a founder, it never is, it never does feel like the right time to sell. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but of course you do have the risk of like all your eggs are in one basket. Uh, you may just want to move on and, and cash out or, or whatever. Uh, but yeah, the, ultimately I think it's the business means more to you as the founder because you know, all like the, you know, blood, sweat and tears that you put into it to, to get it to the point where it's at. So I, I totally feel that and, and agree with what he's saying, but at the same time, you know, we just looked at a bunch of deals, uh, and obviously got very close with one on the buyer side. I had to pause after screwing right. it up so many times <laughs> the last episode. <laughs> and yeah, it's like you start thinking, okay, if you have to really believe in your ability to grow the business, because if you only maintain it, you're looking at like a four year period just to break even, um, on your investment. And I don't know what that's like compared to say real estate or, um, you know, other, other types of investment. It, it's just like, it feels like, okay, you're going to be working a lot on this thing. And f- four years is, is a long time to, uh, just, just to break even before you yeah. even start seeing any profit. So, right. Um, uh, again, you, you obviously buy it with the intent of growing it with, uh, making changes, uh, to, to the business that will improve it. Um, but you, you, you feel that risk more and I can understand more why, uh, you know, multiples aren't typically like 20 X or 30 X or whatever founders, uh, whatever we wish they were. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I agree with him personally because I think, you know, one thing to keep in mind, I think that SAS is a, uh, it's maybe as, a Michael Saylor would would call the apex predator of business models. You have, you know, recurring revenue with potential for expansion and it's solving a critical need and it's infinitely scalable with really high, you know, gross margin on cost of goods, you know, which is basically just hosting and infrastructure costs. Like it's an amazing business and to just sell for, you know, profit, which is also accounting for, Mm. Mm-hmm. labor and all the other costs involved with running a business is a little bit crazy because you're just, you know, um, the, the alternative is you just do nothing and you probably end up making more money in four years because maybe your profit grows and or like you just wait four years and now you've, uh, you've gotten your exit quote unquote, right? So I think really, yeah, if you are going to sell a business, a SaaS business, you want to sell for ARR. Um, whereas if you have a really capital intensive business like e-commerce or a service-based business where it's not recurring and or the margins are not as high, then yeah, sure. Like it totally makes sense to sell for profit because that's really what matters at the end of the day. It doesn't matter how much money it's doing top line if it, you know 90% of, the, of that is gone or just goes to, um, uh, to expenses, but it's flipped for SaaS. But I think that's also the reason why we're interested in buying a SaaS, uh, a micro SaaS in particular, because ARR essentially is profit. You know, like the deals that we were looking at 
when a founder is just paying themselves, uh, that really becomes, that really isn't like a valid expense for when you're doing the ROI on how you can grow the business. And so, you know, it's kind of best of both worlds because the seller gets to sell for four X ARR and we also get to buy for four X profit or SDE, right? However you want to look at it. And, um, I think that's also kind of justifies what we're looking for. Right. And, and why we're interested in microsas in particular. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like I, I always go back to the barometric sale and if barometrics was sold on a prop on a multiple of profit, <laughs> it would be abysmally small, you know, mm-hmm. I, think, I mean, I don't want to spoil all the beans. It probably doesn't matter all too much, but I'll just say there was one year when I was there when I think barometrics did about $200,000 in profit doing over a million dollars in ARR. And so if barometrics had sold on, you know, five X profit, it's selling on one X ARR, which is so small. Like it's just absolutely tragic to think about. And that's really mm-hmm. not representative of the value of the business because you can grow it. And, uh, there are lots of other strategic reasons to, to have a business. And again, the way that you calculate profit has a lot more to do with the people on board and the cost of running a business than the cost of delivering the product. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree with Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Cool. Well, shall we wrap it there? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I've, I've got to run. I wish we had time to dive into the, um, profit well news, but we oh, have to yeah, save that for another time. <laughs> next <laughs> when, time when you brought up bare metrics made me think of that, <laughs> yeah. totally. Yeah. That was very, yeah. Okay. We'll see you for the next one, but, uh, cool. We'll have all the links in the show notes, specifically default alive ventures, uh, the tweet hunter maker grant. If you can support us there, we'll also have a link to Peter levels tweet as well. And any other things that I'm missing. Oh, uh, yeah. Any other things that we're missing, we'll drop in the show notes and we'll see you in the next one.